Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This week I got to sit down with Irish professional triathlete Jerry Redmond. Jerry recently took part in Ultimate Hell Week, which is a show that's shown on RT one once a week. But for Jerry he spent a week up in the Wicklow Mountains and um, completing physical tasks that were set to him while badly sleep deprived and obviously really taxed your well Jerry's physical and mental strength so Jerry done really well getting to the I think the day before the final day he was one of the last uh, six or seven guys left and done really really well so if you haven't seen Ultimate Hell Week check it out and check out how Jerry got on um, but Jerry's backstory is, is why I contacted Jerry and asked him to do a podcast with me as I said he's an, an Irish professional triathlete but he only became a professional 22 months after starting triathlon. So 22 months before he got his, got his professional license, Jer couldn't swim a length of a pool. So it's a, an absolutely amazing story. Like, um, Jer, um, as a child, uh, was, a, was a professional, well, became a professional footballer. But his dreams were shattered when he had to come back to Dublin to look after his family after his father was sent to prison and his mother left the country. So for Jerry, he he and his his older sister, they were 16 and 17 at the time, had to look after uh, four younger siblings. Um, So I'll let let you listen to Jerry talk about that as well. But Jerry's road then, uh, his journey took him where you know down the wrong path he ended up in prison um but in the end fought his way back and his set himself a goal of becoming a professional triathlete so it's an amazing story and i'm so lucky i got to sit down with jerry and big thanks to him for talking with me so for yourselves sit back have a listen and enjoy the podcast let me know what you think and if you're looking to find out more about Jer. check out his website where he does online coaching as well Jer talks a bit about that during the podcast and um, yeah enjoy this podcast is an interview I'm doing with a professional triathlete uh, Jer Redmond but Jer is special in that he came to triathlete uh, triathlon late in life it's only 2016 or so Jer will t- tell us about that now but it, like Jer went from being um, couldn't swim, and now he's a professional triathlete three or four years later. So Jer, and uh, with that as well, Jer has a ridiculous uh, backstory, very fascinating backstory, and um, where Jer was a former pro uh, pro footballer as a young lad, and um, then he got dragged into the criminal world, and uh, unfortunately, but then Jer um, got into triathlon then afterwards and with the goal of becoming a professional triathlete, which is just ridiculous. Like, you know, most people train from a young age, anything like any sport, you know, you train from a young age, like swimming, especially, and, you know, us as adult swimmers are brutal when we're we're older compared to the guys who are swimming when they're younger. And it's the same for any any kind of sport. But Jer went from being, like, not being able to swim to being a professional triathlete a few years later. So Jer Redmond, professional triathlete, welcome to the podcast. And thanks for giving us your time to tell us all about this crazy crazy story like nice to be here Ger. thanks for the, the introduction oh, my, pleasure, my pleasure so if you want to start us off with like like i'm gonna try and not call it 
cut into you at all and just let you talk and give give everyone the, the kind of backstory and where you started and how you got from there to being a professional tri- triathlete within three years of starting triathlon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Darndale, not too far from where you are now at the minute. Mm. Grew up there. I know now I grew up with irresponsible parents, to put it nicely. And, you know, at the time, like any kid, you don't know what your surroundings are, so you just adapt, I suppose. But um, the home wasn't a great home to be in uh, to start. Like even It's 14 hours. Even, um, you know, going home, you'd have to listen because the parents would be fighting. And, you know, it was never really a home. I never really had a home, to be honest with you. Um, but still, I found the love of soccer. So I became really good at soccer because I found it as an outlet, I think. And uh, at the age of 15, like my dream was always to become a professional soccer player, like like any kid, I suppose, you know, that plays football. The main dream is to become a professional soccer player. And uh, at the age of 15, that dream came knocking. Uh, a scout came from the environment to watch me playing. I was playing with St. Columbans and Kulak. And uh, the day they came, I scored 10 goals, which... Jesus Christ. Yeah, which was a phenomenal to do on the day. Because, um, especially when someone comes from a different, a, a professional club to watch, you know. Yeah. Anyway, they came down to the house after and invited me over for a trial. And I remember two weeks before I went over the trial, I was playing FIFA football in my mate's house with the firm. And, you know, it was fucking unreal. Like, the dream was, I couldn't believe it. Like, I really couldn't believe that it was actually happening. Like, I had to pinch myself. Like, but, um, so we got on the flight, went over to Infirmary, and the day I actually went over, they invited me down. So it was a home game. They were playing Falkirk. It was in our 16s, and uh, they were losing with about 20 minutes to go, losing 3-1. They stuck on the Irish kid, and I went on and scored two goals and laid up the winner. <laughs> we won nice. three. Yeah. So it was a dream, dream start. And the next day, I was taken to East End Park, and the coach at the time brought me around, showed me around, and I signed a YTS contract that day, which is a youth training scholarship. Mm. Went home, got me a first order, and moved over as uh, like a professional soccer player, like it was an apprentice. Like. But I um, spent some time over there, learning the trade, mixing with the pros, uh, really enjoying it, washing boots, making toast with them. You know, you do what you have to do. But I loved it. Um, and then I get caught from home one day to say my father had committed a crime back in Kilda. And um, that, that pretty much shattered my dreams, you know. Everything went downhill from there. But yeah, uh, I asked the coach, could I go home, see how things were at home. When I went home, one of the windows were boarded up. The kids were in the house. My mother was drinking with people she shouldn't be drinking. So the house was in turmoil. And uh, I made the decision there and then that I, I had to become the man of the house. Uh, my sister and myself because my mother actually moved out a month later moved out and left the two of us to look after four kids under the age of 10 and she moved, she moved to Liverpool with another man and uh, my life absolutely went downhill from there like, I went from being on top of the world to being in, in, the, in a dark dark place I contemplated suicide several times my belief and confidence was absolutely shattered I joined the criminal gang, one for protection and two to put food on the table. And that's what I've done and I'm not proud of it, but, you know, 
it's like the situation we're in now, we adapt to, this, to, the, to the environment we're in. I was 16 at the time, I don't know what I had to do. Did it save us? I probably did. Was it the right decision at the time? Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't probably change it if I went back, you know, I don't know what I had to do at the time. Living in Kulak, that's what we know, most of us. Um, to roll the forward a bit, in 2014 I got a prison sentence in Mount Joy for drugs around the house. So I was connected to a criminal gang. Uh, got a sentence. I remember sitting in Mountjoy Prison in 2016, and I remember saying to myself, "Where has my bleeding life gone?" With the mm. life flashed in front of me, I was like, "What am I after doing?" Uh, my granddad was in prison. My father was in prison, and I was in prison. And I just felt like we were going down the same road. And I had my own son was due in October 2016, so I just, you know, when I got out of prison. I suppose I just wanted to change my whole generation and I just, you know, the my thing is a lot of irresponsible parents out there being brought into this world by irresponsible parents, right? But they're doing the exact same thing themselves. Yeah. Why pass on them traits if you didn't like them? Like, we need to identify ourselves. This is not right. I was treated that way. I was treated poorly, you know, and change that cycle. You know, give your kids the best opportunity, but you're forced to have to change yourself, you know what I mean? Mm. You can't just expect your kids to be great if you're not being shown them that, that role, you know? Yeah. So I decided to change my whole generation. Went to watch an Iron Man in 2016, just to be there with my friend, just to, you know, just be around like-minded people, change goals. And uh, I taught myself, Jay's maybe I could do that. You know, I couldn't swim, and I'd never been on a TT. I'd never even seen a TT boy. Jesus Christ. I uh, had a chat with me, and decided to sign up for Maastricht, which is in Holland, in 2017. That was in August 2017. So I started training in January 2017. Went down to the pool, full swim, couldn't even do a length. But, uh, you know, I just wanted to change so much. I wanted to get away from the criminal gang. I wanted to change the direction and change the generation, which was most important. So I kept persevering and going back. Within a month, I was able to do 1K. Within two or three months, I was able to do 4K. I was on the bike, started off 20K, 30K, you know, and I built her up to 100K. And then I remember, I didn't even, like, to be honest with you, I signed up for the Ironman, thinking I might not ever do this Ironman, but I know I'd be in good, good fitness Physically and mentally, I'd be in a good position in six months' time if we can do this training. So that was the initial to get involved, you know. But I remember landing in uh, Maastricht in Holland to be forced Ironman, standing on the, the canal. And I just knew I had my life back. I just remember saying to myself, Jesus, I had my life back. All like-minded people, all positive, and it was a sunny day, and I just felt on top of the world. Amazing. And now I'm diving in, because you go in and trees over there, it was blocks of trees because it was so tight hmm. and we walked in the trees and uh, I still didn't know we was going to finish this thing. <laughs> so I dive in and I remember looking back to take a breath and I've I seen like my old self on a bridge swimming away from my old self. It was just like, it was just a dream day, you know, and I just felt like I was back to myself strong. When I came across that finish line, something happened to me days after that. I got my self-belief back. I got my confidence back when I was a kid, you know. As that teenager, when I remember the professional soccer player, I got all that back. I felt really strong. And then um, I didn't suffer in the Ironman. People said to me, did you, ever, did you suffer? I said, I didn't suffer because 
suffering. I, I didn't think, I, I, I still don't think. Suffering is not, you don't suffer in sports. You suffer mm. in I suffered so much as a kid and what I went through for 18 to 20 years of suffering, of, of no belief, of no one being there for you, of being let down by the people you love, suicidal, all that stuff, having to look after your kids, having to join the criminal gang for all that. That's suffering, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sports wasn't suffering for me. This was nice, you know? Nice, yeah. Like, this isn't suffering, so uh, so I wanted to test myself to see how strong I was in the mind. I signed up for Lanzarote, the toughest one in the world. And I think I'm at about, I think I'm 12 months at, at this stage, so I signed up for Lanzarote. And I do Lanzarote in 10, 10, 10 50, I think, which is a really good time. And some you take of, a, an hour, an hour off of that for a normal one then, do you? Yeah, uh, Lanzarote is a tough one, they say, add an hour yeah, for Lanzarote. Yeah. So I've done 11 hours in Maastricht on the button, and then I've done 10, 50 in Lanzarote. And um, someone said to me, like, you're really good at this, you know? And um, I decided um, that I was going to sign up for, uh, go, go for my professional license in um, October of 2019, which is in Barcelona. So, as like the, the decision decision I made was because the little boy came back to me and said, you could be pro again. So, I decided to, to, to go with my pro license and the time to beat was, I think it was uh, sub 9.30. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. And I'd only been in the sport like, 12 months or something. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so people are laughing at me like like you laughed there, right? That's what I got when I told people I'm going pro. Like, yeah. you, know, you, you couldn't swim 12 months ago. <laughs> you can't blame them, man. It's, I know, yeah. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> but they didn't know who I was, you know. They didn't know the suffering I'd been through. Yes. They didn't know yeah. the drive I had. And I now had the, the self-belief back to go and do something. And the, the little boy came back and said, you were a pro when you were a kid, so you can be pro again. Mm. We got that little in our thought, and then also I needed I needed a big why, you know. Yeah. So the big why was to show people that's been brought into this world by a bad generation. That doesn't matter where you're from or who has brought you up or what your circumstances are. You can be great. You can do great things, like you know. So that was me drive initially. That's what kept me going. That's what got me up at three and four in the morning. I was getting up at three and four in the morning doing a hundred k cycles, two three times a week. I was doing 60 or 70k running, I was doing lots of swimming, and I just kept going. I remember landing in Barcelona in 2018, actually 2018 it was, 22 months after I took up the sport, I landed in Barcelona, stood on the beach, and I remember smiling to myself going, when did I get this today, you know? I just had that in our confidence, but I still had that part of me going, don't bank on nothing yet. Because you know yourself, you get a mechanical or something, injury, you know, you can knock yourself out. So all when I came out of swim, I done a really good swim, I think it was one ten or something. Um one ten swim, I think, came out, got on the bike, again after a hundred K, I think I was I was well in the time parameters after hundred K. You know, I, I knew I said to myself, if I can get a hundred K in two hours forty, I think it was, or two hours forty five. My mom, you know, so I had me different times set out for me distance. I came off the bike, I had to get a 308 run. 
So I need a 308 Martin. That's what I do. I run. <laughs> it's my favourite thing to do. <laughs> so That's I knew it was <laughs> I already knew. I said, this is this is going to happen, right? Because it's only like a 430 pace or something. So it was like, lovely. So um, I remember the last 5K anyway. And I welled up because I knew. See, the thing was, like, my main drive was to prove to people and inspire people to show them. Like I went from being in prison in 2016 to getting out, decided to change my generation, couldn't swim, took up triathlon. And then 22 months later, like, I'm looking to go pro, you know, just to inspire people. So I knew how much this would have, how much of an effect this could have on people out there. Not yeah. not to become even pros, but just to even change their life to be better people, you know. Even That's just to get a good job or give up drink or whatever, just to, just to be good people. So I knew it would have an impact. So when I got to that 5K, I welled up because I knew the impact it's going to have later on on people. You know what I mean? It would give me a platform. Me being a professional athlete would give me a platform to go into schools, to go into youth centres, to go into corporate business, wherever it may be, or whoever wants to hear it. But I knew it would help you. And I welled up and started crying. And I had to tell myself, you're still 20k to do, you know. <laughs> Body back. But uh, I come onto the red carpet. As you know, there's a, say, a 100 metres red carpet when you come onto the, uh, the Ironman events at the finish line. And I come on, and my family's there, five kids and the wife, and my family's there, and they have the Irish flag. And like, I went from being in prison, my family coming up to see me in prison. And two, two years later, I'm going down an Ironman finish line, ready to become an Irish professional for athlete. Like, like, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. For me, I, I bawled my eyes out. Like, I couldn't believe it. And, what I done was when I when I took the flag off them, obviously getting them a hug and all. Enough time to give them a hug, <laughs> and uh, I went through the finish line, and I turned and pointed at the clock for all the doubters. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but I just turned and I have a picture of me pointing at the clock, going days go, toads. and I done it in nine twenty five, and the time to beat was nine thirty. And that day I became an Irish professional triathlete. Twenty two months after I took up the sport. So. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal story, man. It's it's like even coming out, even coming from like not being able to swim to just finishing an Ironman, whether it be like you know yourself, the cut off is seventeen hours. Like if you had to finish an Ironman in sixteen fifty nine, it'd still be ridiculous, like from where you were. But like nine thirty, and people listen to this. A lot of people who be listening to this will do triathlon, and they'll know how hard. You know, a sub fourteen, a sub thirteen is or sub eleven. You know, I I probably I can do sub eleven, yeah. but a nine and a half, like, and the jump from say a sub eleven to a nine and a half is just, it's another planet. Like, you know what I mean? Do you think? Do you think that you had kind of um, physical attributes that might have helped? Obviously, you had the the mental attributes. You know, obviously from a, a such a bad environment as a young man, you, you know, really, I would imagine helped develop you, um, lots of kind of discipline and, and grit and determination. Would that be fair? Yeah. Do you know what happened, Jay? I you I turned my all my negative energy. I had a lot of negative energy, like lots and lots of it. Yeah. And I turned that into positive. And I vented in the right direction. That's all I done. I just went from all the negative. I just said, you know what, I'm going to try this. And I put it into a positive. And what I found was that I, I was able to control what people wouldn't be able to control. 
Yeah. So suffering, as you know, in the endurance races, a lot of the time the, the suffering is what gets people. Yeah. Why are you looking for the suffering? I was like, this is not suffering. Bring mm-hmm. it, bring it bleeding on. Yeah. Let's go. Do you know what I mean? I was actually saying that going around. Where are yeah. Come on. Do you know, that's what I was doing. So, yes, I had got physical attributes. I was, I'd done a bit of boxing. And I'd done a bit of running. Like, I was a sub-tree runner before. Do you know what I mean? So, I had got a bit of background fitness there. But I think it was the mind that got me to where I, I got. And also, I wanted to prove a point to people because I'd been down the wrong road for probably 18 years. I've done some bad things in the area that I'm not proud of. Yeah. So I wanted to show people real change. And I think doing an Ironman sort of shows people that. But I think becoming a professional triathlete, you know, sort of pushes you right out and go, look out, yeah, I have actually changed. Oh. <laughs> you know? Uh, well beyond that, mate. It goes well beyond that. But like you touched on it there as well, um, the mental health side of it. Like, so you, you know, this is an. I didn't hear this on any of the podcasts you were talking about. Oh, you were talking on about the, the mental health side of it. You know, you were saying you were in a really bad place mentally. Like, just tell us how how much the physical side of it really helped you kind of develop your mental strength and and build back up your mental health. I tell you the truth, right? The- the thing about mental health is sports is a great fix, right? But it's only a temporary fix, really. Mm. Like, I've I done Ironman and I found a great outlet from it. But if I got injured tomorrow, no, not now because I've fixed it, but I'm going to tell you how. If I got injured during that, I probably would have slipped back into the mental because it's only like putting a plaster on a bullet wound. Sports is great if, if you can do sports, right? But when the sports goes, you still have them issues. Mm. The only way to get rid of them issues, and this is from my point of view and my experience, is to go to counselling and actually talk about it and rebuild your life. I went to a counsellor, he says I'm like a jigsaw. with a lot of missing puzzles because of the upbringing I had. Yeah. And he's rebuilding that jigsaw. Now, I'm still not perfect, and no one is, but yeah. that's... The best advice I can give anyone is to, if you have any underlying issues, right? Yes, sports is great, but it's only a temporary fix. You really have to address it. And from my point of view, my experience, counselling and talking about it and getting in with a counsellor and sticking with them for 10 to 12 weeks or whatever it may take, put the work in, rebuild your life. I didn't know how to love Jerry because I wasn't loved, so I didn't have them attributes. Yeah. So, that was something that I, I discovered in the home that I, I, I felt I couldn't do, right? I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it because I had a block up because I didn't know how to do it because I'd never seen my mother and father doing it. So I just, like, uh, I felt uncomfortable. So I went to counselling. He re, rewired your mind, you know, to get you to think and talk about it. And now, like, that's a lot better, you know? So there's loads of different issues I had and that I'm addressing. Yeah. And people sometimes are oblivious to it, you know, to the way they're going on or whatever. But... You know, I think you have to put your hand up sometimes. A lot of people like, uh, won't put their hand up, you know, and just, it's good to get help, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Don't ever show you away from it because it's, it actually makes you a better person. It's, Did you find it hard to um, to kind of accept that and let yourself, or force it? Did you have to force yourself into counseling? Or, like, you know, it, it, it comes with a lot of a, a bit of a stigma, doesn't it? Like, you know, uh, counseling, people, people think, oh, well, I must be mentally ill if I need counselling or something like that. Or did you find that hard to to get into it? And um, is it something that you would still do? 
hundred percent. I do whatever you went to you. Brilliant. I didn't because I tell you why. Because my family's more important than that in this world, and they're more important to me. So I done it all for my kids because I knew if I fixed the, the the issues I had, it would make them better people. Because if you don't fix your little issues, right, and you have little bad traits, you're gonna give it to your kids. They're gonna give it to their kids. Where's yeah. them? So I, that's what my mentality was. I'm gonna fix my bad traits. Hmm. Because if I'm not loving them, right, they're not gonna feel that for me. Then they're gonna pass it on to their children. It's a generation thing. It just continues on. So therefore, I wanted to fix all my issues to make my kids better. Because you have to give your kids good traits. The only way to give them good traits is by rectifying your bad traits. Yeah. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't care what people think. I'll tell people because I want to tell people because it's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. I didn't ask to be brought into the world by irresponsible parents or parents who weren't willing to work with themselves to make me a better person. I wasn't asked to do that. I didn't, I didn't ask for that. You know, mm-hmm. who doesn't want to be brought up in hope and silver spoons? And that's no disrespect to them because I think mm-hmm. they're good for doing that. But do you know what I mean? Like? Mm-hmm. That's a good attitude, mate. Um, just on the on the crime side of it, right? I don't want to talk too much about this because ah, yeah, yeah, the, the, the story is so positive. Like you know, like did when more on the prison side of it. How did you cope in, in prison? Like so. Prison is like you have to adapt to your, to your surroundings, like mm. anything, like like what we're, what we're going through now. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just have to adapt. You don't have much of a choice. Yeah. Um, and it's like in prison as well. Like you don't get involved in the shite in prison with the people that are people out there because you know you'll get a negative impact. And it's the mm. same out here. Don't get involved in the shite that that people are saying. Like the only people I believe is fucking. The TD or Leo, whatever you call him, if he stands up in six one and tells something, then I'll believe it. Other than that, I don't get involved. Much the same in prison, much the same out here in the circumstances. <clears throat> but you got to keep yourself active, you know. Routine yeah. is king. Like those people who are at home, like you can do an online course, learn how to play the guitar, learn how to play the tin whistle, whatever it may be. Read books, do some exercise, go for a walk. I, I, I can't say this enough. Like people. I know people are, like, a bit worried about this, right? But you can try on your own. You can't catch the corona on your own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no excuse for people to get out the door, even if it's a walk or a cycle or a run. I don't I don't think there's any excuse. Like, you can get out, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And mental health is as good as on. If you, like, I know the coronavirus is very dangerous, but the mind can be very dangerous if you don't stay active. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's important to stay active, and it's much the same in prison. I, I learned to play the guitar, went to school, done my junior cert again, had a little system every night when I got banged in. I do like 100 press ups, 100 sit ups, you know, loads of plank. I just had a little system every morning. I woke up, I'd done the same, you know, you get banged in during the day, you, you read a book, you know, so it's always the same routine, you know, go to the gym, go to school. Yeah. yeah, you just need a routine, but keep the mind occupied. Yeah, brilliant, man. Um, yeah, so I just want to jump on to the, the triathlon side of things now, right? So, um, what like so? What was your first actual triathlon? Was that the one in Holland? Was that your first triathlon? Or was that your first Iron Distance? First Iron Distance. So I done the sprint, the Olympic, and the standard, and the half before that. I led up to that big one, but I'd only done one of each. You know what I mean? And then, mm. another, yeah, so. And what was your experience with that in terms of, um, did you find that helped you develop 
quickly is it like because that's pretty much the natural progression for most people like yeah look that's the best way to do it i suppose is to start off small at the sprint triathlons and then move up to your olympic and then your half do you know what I mean? mm. and then you're full i don't know whether i'd advise them to go as quick as i did but <laughs> <laughs> but it can be done you know what i mean it's all yeah. in the mind. like it can't be done like I, i've coached people to do Ironmans in 10 months that couldn't yeah. swim yeah absolutely. Because, I, because i believe i know you can do it mm. done it in six months so i know you can do it if you want to do it yeah same for myself i started um was it a, you know, I, I done a sprint triathlon the dc um dum city triathlon i think it was 2013 couldn't swim a length like yourself like yeah. almost fucking drowned like and I, I think I, I wouldn't even call it a breaststroke because I couldn't even do that at the stage. So, but I got around and then when I got out, I started flying on the bike in the run. But like I went from that, that was 2014, and I'd done Ironman Wales in 2014. So right. similar to yourself, it, it, it is very doable. Like, and I think the, the thoughts of just doing something like that, people build it up so much in their heads that it puts them off before they even start, you know, that way. 100%. That's why people need a good coach, Jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit about what you're doing, coaching wise, actually. Yeah, so I have a company now. I, I got, um, I built up myself, pro coaching. It's called. I'm on I have a website, jrevan.com. I do a lot of online coaching and one-on-one coaching. I have a unit actually down. Do you know Jimmy's bike shop in um, Malahide? Oh, Marnock, yeah. Oh, the Paul Marnock one now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm up over there, and I have uh, in there. I have. A bike and I have a treadmill. So nice. I do I do brick sessions there with, with people, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm just coaching. That's what I, that's what I'm doing these days, coaching runners and coaching triathletes. I do be up on the track actually on a Tuesday evening in Alta from seven to eight. And I open that to the public. So anyone can come up to that, you know what I mean? I'll have to pop up to one of them, mate. Yeah, drop up, yeah, by all means. So it's catered for all different levels of fitness, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, is, is um, do you do much online? That's is that all online? I know you're saying you've your treadmill and your bike, so you obviously have people come down to you. But if people want to get like programs and stuff off, you, you get that through your website, is it? So you go on the website and have a look at the whatever plan you would like, and then you can um, send me a message on that. You know what I mean? But a lot of my stuff is online, but I do do one-on-one stuff. If people are interested, that's why you know. Yeah, I, I think I prefer. The te- even when I'm teaching people, I prefer one-on-one as opposed to online. It's just so much more you can get across, you know that way. Yeah. 100%. But um, so yeah, your first iron was the the one in Holland. Yeah. What time was that one again? Eleven on the button. Eleven on the button. That was some going for your first iron, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unreal. And then what did you do there after? How many like was the Barcelona one straight after that or? The Lanzarote to test the mind to see how strong it was. Found I was still didn't suffer. Um, done a three oh six marathon I think in the Lanzarote. Um, and then I decided to go pro. So so that was um, in two thousand eighteen, October two thousand eighteen. I done Barcelona. So my tour Ironman, man, I became pro. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I done nine oh nine twenty five. So you know you know with Barcelona, does does it? An hour or two um, in the difference um, for finishing, isn't there? Because it's a, oh, yeah. a bit flatter. Oh, so yeah. is, it the, around. is it the same with coming a pro? In terms of going, you go there? You have to go a bit faster again in Barcelona to become a pro. 
No, it's just 930. If you do nine to- sub 930 every year, you get your pro licence. You have to do one a year, do you? Yeah, you ha- well, you have to get the time every year. You have to you have to meet the criteria of uh, Triathlon Ireland yeah. to enable you to get the licence to race as a professional athlete. Yes. And, like, so obviously now it's all up in the air with races. Is Barcelona back on for you this year? Yes, I have. I've Hamburg booked, Wales booked, Barcelona, National Champions Championship. Um, Marbella was just cancelled, so I had that. Yeah. And then Troy Toy, the double Olympic, I had that booked. So it's up in the air. But look, at their only external goals. I'll try and regardless. It makes no odds to me. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, w- what could you recommend for like it's it's you know for such a big jump? Would you recommend one thing for anyone who's serious about going, say, sub if, if their if their dream target is sub ten or sub eleven or whatever? It could be sub fourteen. Is there one thing that you would recommend to them, or one bit of advice you'd give them? Um, yeah, get a good coach, and I'm not even talking about myself. In general, my advice would be get a really good coach. A coach that knows uh, where the gains are in Ironman. So for me, it's probably the bike. You know, you obviously have to be able to swim, but the major major gains is the bike. You know, you know yourself if you do like a, a far forty uh, bike. So I mean, gives you gives you a good bit of leeway then for the run and that. Yeah. So find out your your weaknesses and work on your weaknesses, I suppose. But get a good coach. I, I definitely recommend getting a good coach. Was your bike uh, 430 in Barca, was it? 438. <sighs> Jesus Christ, man. That's insane, isn't it? I think it was 37 kilometres an hour or something. Or thereabouts, or 48. Hauling that for, for the four hours class. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were talking about it earlier. Um, your, your body type, what height and weight are you and do you feel that really helps you? More so with the running. And if it helps you with the running, do you think... You lose a bit on the bike, obviously not if you're doing four thirty eight on the bike. But um, do you think your body type helps you much? Um, I don't know. Like to be honest, with you, I'm seventy one kilos, five foot ten. I'm fairly lean, to be honest. With you yeah, it wouldn't be an ounce of fat me. I think I was five percent body fat. The doctor told me that uh, I'd be in hospital only knowing I'm fit. <laughs> Fatting up a bit. That's what he said to me. Only I know you're fit, you'd be in the hospital. But um, yeah, look, obviously it helps the leaner you are. The lighter you are will definitely help on the hills. Step on the bike, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, once you're lean, once you're strong, mm-hmm. you know, I think, yeah. When when you were when you were focusing on your training, um, were you focused more on the kind of the volume of your training, or were you doing really specific kind of um speed stuff for that like that? Yeah, it's more volume. I think I think the more you do. The more gains you get, right? So I'm a bit of a glutton for training. I love long sessions and I love training all day. Like I'll train all day long. Mm. I mean, like you know, I'll do eight hours if I have to do eight hours. You know, yeah. but look at that, you can only push so hard. Other than that, you get you can get injuries and in that. You know what I mean? But you can only go, I suppose, as hard as your body will allow. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm asking me, coach, I want to do more. I want to do more. They said you can't because you'll get injured. Or yeah, you'll get fatigued. You know, so. You have to be mindful. You, you can't step up too far too quick. Yes, yeah. You want it. You, you actually physically can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's. I say it all the time. I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make when you get into it too much too soon, like, and they just wreck themselves. You know, what kind of recovery stuff do you do? Yeah, so good good tips from recovery. So I don't eat after seven o'clock at night. 
because uh, if you eat after seven, the heart rate goes above 50 because it's breaking up the food. If you don't eat after seven, the heart rate stays below 50 beats. Therefore, you're asleep and you're recovering. If you eat after seven, the body is not recovering. It's breaking up the field. So the organs are working to break up the field. Mm. Therefore, you're not actually recovering. Look, that, be, that can be a tip for anyone. It doesn't mm. have to be easy training. For someone even going to work. Um, I take protein after every session. So every session I'll take protein and a bit of creatine. Um, and three liters of water a day to bring the temperature down. Very good. To get all the toxins out. Um, there's a thing you can do. You can check your heart rate in the mornings, HRV app, loads of different things. And it'll tell you if you're sick or it'll tell you if you're tired. And you can reduce that volume for that day and get your your heart rate back to into a green zone as such, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I do. And also then ice baths. And I get a physio. I have a physio, actually, Dublin osteopath in Malahide. He gives me a rub once a week. So all of that stuff helps, you know what I mean? Prevent well, them. Yeah, well on top of it. Yeah, really good. Um, so you, when you started out, what kind of bike had you got? Like, and um, now, what, what 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 have you got now, and how does it compare? And how does that compare to the other pros? Is is it all the same kit you would have as those guys now? Yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I had a felt B twenty, I think, at the start. I paid seven hundred euro for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to get around. Decent bike, decent bike. Yeah, not a bad bike. I have um, an Argon. And they're gone Troy Plus now. Do you know them what's actually there? An 18, Argon 18 Troy Plus. Yeah. I think that's worth six and a half grand. Um, I have a pair of uh, zip wheels worth three grand. So I have a 10 grand bike now. <laughs> <laughs> now I happen to be in a, I happen to be sponsored at the minute. So I'm sponsored, fully sponsored by Jimmy's Bikes and Paul oh, Martin. Yeah. And, um, I have other sponsors as well that jumped on board as well. I'm sponsored by um, Troy Bike, you know, Ship My Bike. Yes. I'm an ambassador from de- for them. I have a full-time physio. I have a cash sponsor from another lad that's anonymous. So, right. you know, things are going well. Like, and it, gives me that, it gives me that leeway to buy stuff that I need, you know what I mean? Because I have five kids and a wife, and I don't like dipping into the pot. Do you know what I mean? I have yeah. more and all, and, you know, it's my dream, but... But I also don't want to take away from the holiday phone, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. The stuff is so expensive, so any help you can get is just yeah, yeah it really helps, doesn't it? Fair play. Um so is like that kind of kit, is there any one piece of kit you mentioned wheels there or just anything like that really help you jump a level or two maybe? The bike made a big difference, like. Yeah. Definitely. Like I went from probably twenty eight kilometers an hour to probably thirty two. 31, 32 kilometers an hour within a few weeks of getting used to the bike. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And this, then, then I got the zip wheels on it. Like, yeah, different beast altogether. Like, the bikes yeah. are like, <laughs> you know yourself. Yeah. Making class, like, but they definitely, they definitely make, there's a difference in a sub 10. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Definitely would, like, 100%. Yeah. I got a new, um, you know, the speed, track speed concept there. Like, so I'm itching to get that out into a race, see how it goes. Like, Oh, but um can we let, let me talk to you a bit about the uh the hell week um oh, so yeah. for anyone listening now right jer was involved with um it's like a military um test that's done for army rangers and, and people like that Jer. and it's it's seven days long yeah and what they do is put and um, the 
it's basically what they do for the army lads and they they've picked 20 27 people i think and put them into this test and filmed it and it's on rt1 uh, every monday but um jerry took part in that show and they do some ridiculous uh torturous stuff to the contestants so jerry tell us a bit about that like tell us what it is first and and why you wanted to do it really yeah so it's uh ultimate hell week it's called and basically 28 civilians the Irish Irish fittest civilians we had to do tests to get into this like so you have to uh you ha- you're an applicant so you have to apply for it then they put you through tests fitness tests and uh then they pick whatever 28 of the fittest civilians in Ireland so uh it's run by four um army rangers ex army rangers but serious lads like fucking hell mad mad fellas but like uh, an absolute uh, privilege to be around Mm. you know i'll tell you why but um yeah so basically it goes on from friday to friday i suppose the aim of the game is to get get us out they want to get us out we want to stay in so uh but the fucking tests they done on us like was creepy like we had to we had to endure um tear gas so we got tear gassed we had to climb. We had to walk down uh, a fire station, which was about two hundred feet in the air. Walk down, abseil down frontwards. Seeing that, was creepy. Um, what else we did? We punched the head off each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I suppose one of the toughest ones, I suppose, was a, a twenty-one kilometer trek up Tonaghy Mountain. So we start, in, it's in Wicklow anyway. But we had 55 pounds of kit on us. And it was 21k hike. You want to see this? This broke us off. Like, mm-hmm. I think it started off at 12 or 7 of us finished. So that was probably one of the toughest events I've ever done. That, I found that even tougher than an Ironman. Yeah. And that was really tough. And then, uh, so yeah, last week was uh, day six. And I had, I had I'd been in with the psychiatrist and I, I broke down a bit, you know. Anyone that wants to watch it will see it. Because mm-hmm. uh, my past caught up with me. Um, and it weakened me. And I just wanted my family at that stage. I just wanted to hug all my kids and my wife. And then uh, and straight after that, so he, so he, the psychologist talk, right? He put a bag over my head and put me on a tractor. <laughs> and drove <laughs> up the road, right? I was fucking freezing. Dragged me over the head. Knelt me in front of a hole. And said, get in the fucking hole. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I was like, fuck off, I'm going home. I'm going home for some fucking crib sandwiches. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was me, you know. I, I went out last week. But you know what, to be honest with you, that was as much as I could give. That was, it definitely was. Uh, I learned from, I, the reason why I went in was to, I wanted to get something for myself out of, you know. Yeah. I wanted to test myself and see what I could get from it because I know every event I do, I always get something out of it. And I believe... I believed that this was going to do something for me. It was really uncomfortable. Every comfort zone, totally. Yeah. And I definitely got something from it because that was that was back in November. That was shot. I'm a totally different person now than I was before I went in there. I've learned about myself, who I am, why I failed. I failed because I was carrying my past with me. And now I've rectified that and left me past behind. I haven't forgot it, but I'm not going to let it affect me moving forward. Do you know what I mean? So that was the chink of my armor, was my past. I've yeah. since rectified that. I've since 
now I don't let it affect me. It's done. There's nothing I can do about it. Don't let it have any more negative impact on you. You know, don't forget it. Learn from it. Use the experience to better others and push forward. And that's what I've learned from it. So I'm, I'm actually, that's what I got over. And you can't buy that stuff. That's, yeah. you, you can't, you don't know price on that stuff, you know. So that's why I went in. I didn't know what I would get over. But there you go. That's what I got over. And I'm delighted to get that over. Yeah. So. Very, very similar to like those kind of uh, situations in, in the endurance stuff that I do. Like, you know, if, like you're not gonna they're, they're so difficult these events that you're not gonna be able to finish them all sometimes. Sometimes shit happens like but it's taking the positive um out of those kind of situations and using it to to build yourself to be a stronger, better you, like you know, and that sounds exactly the same as what you got out of that um hell week. Yeah. Like but um you seem to have a good bond with the lads in there, look like a bit of crack as well, was it? I look, it's hard to have crack, but yeah, it was good, like at times. But you're just waiting for one of these fucking mad cunts to come, come in the door and fucking break you up. Yeah, you must <laughs> like, have been always on, on edge, were you? Constantly. We, I think we had one and a half hours sleep a night. They are constantly on your, on your, like, they see you sitting down or sleeping, like, they're watching you on camera. It's obviously, obviously, they just don't on, on you 24 7. And that's what's nervy about it. See, I'm used to training for an event, right? Making sure everything is perfect, nutrition, um, you know, the bike is ready, I'm ready, I go to the event, I know this is getting smashed. We're here, where this place is, you get thrown on the back of a bleeding bus, you <laughs> drove around for three hours, right, to do an event that's probably 20 minutes away, so your head, I don't know how what to be doing. Yeah. For me, that's that's what got, that was nervy for me, and then and then you don't, you're thinking all sorts, what, what the fuck are they going to get me to do now, you know? And then he'd take you and get you to jump off a bridge or something twice. So that's what they've done first night. And God knows what to do. So that was a bit nervy. Uh, there's no warning. They don't tell you what's happening. They literally, like, that time when they got us to abseil down the fire station frontways, yeah. we were literally, we put on the the, um, the safety kit downstairs in the room, right? We were dragged up the stairs with it and just told, clipped on and said, go. Yeah. <laughs> it was all demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at him going, what the fuck? And he's like, go. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, go on. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. fucked up. Like, it's no thinking. You can't even think. It's like, go. And if you don't go, you're, you're off. Like, so. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, heavy on the mind. Like, it's taxing. Taxing. But it's great. And come here. Do you, like, do you think, like, I thought, I thought, now I have to say, I'm not just saying this because you're here. I thought you were a bit hard done by. Um, yeah. I thought you were, like, especially on, Remember they put you in charge of a group, yeah, and they put the other guy in charge of a group. But I just felt they were a little bit more. It's like they have their guys that they they they're a bit more lenient. Yeah, maybe not lenient, but you know what I'm saying. I thought you are. I thought you are really uh, hard done by on that challenge. And then uh, even the other, there was another guy, right? Um, now he was in the wrong. Uh, number three, you know, man, number three. Four. Four was it? Chris, yeah, Chris. No, no, the, the the chef chef guy Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he now he was in the wrong right where he didn't uh, look after his group, right? Fair enough. But I think something similar happened in in a few events previous. But they just fucked him out like there and then. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that one was a bit harsh as well. It is a bit harsh, but uh, I think they just do that for the fucking TV. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think some of it, a lot of it's TV shit. You know what I mean? Mm. They just, I suppose to go at what sells and I kept fucking up saying drop 
Right? I've seen that, yeah. I'm used to dropping people in the queue, like not putting them down nicely. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in me vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what he wanted me to do, but he didn't want me to drop him anyway. <laughs> lower. He kept saying lower. Lower, yeah. I don't lower. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm. not why I'm from Darndale, Kula. We don't <laughs> lower people, we drop people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, like, he did. He did fucking, like, he knocked me confidence that day, you know, but like yeah, that. It looks like he, he rattled you with that, and it's hard to come back from something like that, you know, within a couple of minutes. Yeah. But like, like that, it's just another test for me. I was just like, look, at, I just got to take it on the chin and fucking march on and just get to the next fucking stage. And that's what I done, you know what I mean? It did knock me, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But look, okay, what can you do? You, you man up, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they, they kind of mellow a bit at the end there as well. Now, I haven't seen the last episode, obviously, but say, um, and even there are saying they kind of have their... I don't know. Maybe do they have their favourites? I don't know. No. But there, there was a guy who, and he, now he did deserve it. A man said it like, yeah, after he gave him his coat. Did you see that one? Park. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was, he, that young fella was phenomenal, by the way. But um, I think he was going hypothermic, so a man gave him his jacket. Yeah. And absolutely deserved as well. Like, But I thought they might have been maybe mellowing a bit. No? Yeah. I think that was a little bit of a weakness, beyond you. And, Parag's a lovely fella. Like he, he actually yeah. played for Mayo Gatlo Gat him, yeah. the senior team. Yeah. Um, I think that was a bit of a weakness because I think if they're going by the met, 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 the what the show is, the show is like if you can't handle it, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I honestly I think they were being too lenient. I think they should have not given them the jacket and let them soldier on and seen did he get through it. But yeah, that's yeah. the name of the game is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. being a bit, bit, bit fucking tough there, but I think that's what it, what it's about. Seeing can you adapt to that? Yeah. And if he didn't, he didn't, and I think he got, he got, he definitely got a, a get out of jail card there. I thought so. Maybe, maybe built it up over time and deserved it. To be fair as well, but if it was number the number three guy, not a chance. <laughs> no, he wasn't even fucked up. You are to get him there, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Fairness, he, he was a nice fella, but uh, he he was a bit individualised. I think I did see that over the course of the the course. You know what I mean? Yeah, lovely fella, but I did see that in him a little bit, where he was sort of looking out for himself and yeah, yeah. I'm just the way he is. You know what I mean? Some people don't even mean to do it. You know what I mean? They just do it subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so and as well, right? When I was watching these now, I I, I was expecting you to be like winning the. 21k hikes and all this by yeah. like four hours ahead of everyone and all this kind of stuff like how did it how did it compare like especially with like a three-hour marathon after an Ironman in an Ironman which is what well, you'd, you'd probably do two and a half would you in an Ironman even around yeah. that like yeah. how did how did they compare like to an Ironman or a run like where did you struggle with that I did a sub three on the Sunday and I went in there on the Friday I done sub three in Dublin on the Sunday, and then I went in there Friday. <laughs> caught up with you a bit, you think? I think it caught up with me a bit, but not not even. I don't even. I don't even know. Like, it's not an excuse. Like, the weight was too heavy for me. I couldn't. I, I don't do weights. You know what I mean? So yes. I that weight was like fuck. You know. And were you holding back a bit as well, which would have been uh, yeah. probably advisory. I mean, Jordan's athlete. I know how it works. No point yeah. winning all the races and then you can't get to the end. Yeah. So it was how I didn't want to win the race. That wasn't yeah. what I was there for. I was there to get as far as I could get through the week. I didn't give a fuck about the race. I didn't want to. No one got a gold medal, like. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. 
Yeah. And I used that experience to just go, look, I'm just going to do enough to get through each stage. Because yeah. I knew fatigue and tiredness would kick in at some stage. Yeah. And that's like what happened for most of them. Like I got, I think I was, uh, I was 28, I was seventh. I was the seventh man. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Seven left. Well, seven was left. And I went then. So I'm sure the experience and holding a bit back definitely got me a bit further than where I went. Do you know what I mean? Well, you'd have to. You'd have to. It's the same for the multi-day endurance events that I do. Like, you don't start, you don't go your fastest no. on day one, for sure. Like, you know, no. or even day uh, eight or nine, you know, you leave it for day 10 and so on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it was class. Um, so what what was your favourite, your best experience for, in Hell Week? Best experience in Hell Week was probably... I'd say it was, do you know what, actually, we done uh, we put on these masks and we had to go around the curry. Did you see that? Yes. And after that, there was, I think there was, there was two trucks, army trucks, mm. and there were six in each truck, I think 12 was left. And I remember the six was in it. And we all, I said, like, are we all fucking mad? We just ran around the fucking curry with masks on for free. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I said, do you all get this obvious? Our wives and parents that there's something wrong with you. And everyone agreed and everyone had the same story that their wives or their cousins or someone said, You're all mad, like we just we just let them on, you know. So we all agreed we are nuts, like so it was a it was a truck full of mad mad people. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a moment, you know. So that was one of my favourite moments. I was around like minded people and it was just we were all just in the same boat, you know what I mean? Brilliant. It was class, yeah. That was a class moment, like brilliant. So, um, yeah, no, that's that's class. I like. I just want to leave it. Thanks for taking the time here with me, Jay. By the way, um, I'm conscious of the time here. I don't want to keep you all day. Probably could, though. Probably could talk to you all day, mate. But come here with the with the whole current situation. Everybody's in isolation. Um, you're obviously a bit of a ninja when it comes to isolation. But um, you know, having spent that time in a cell like what kind of advice would you give to people in this current situation to keep motivated keep uh, productive and keep active just to get a schedule as well um take up something that that you've always wanted to take up if you have any goals that you haven't done before now's the time to do it because you have time you know De- definitely spend some time quality time with the family but get out and train you know what i mean even if it's just a walk you have to work on your mind because if you don't, you'll end up going into a negative state, I think. Mm. So it's really important to get into a routine and do some sort of training, whether it be out the back down a little circuit or going for a walk or going for a cycle. You won't catch corona training on your own. Do you know what I mean? And it's very important, important to keep active. So even reading books, but even read a book out in the garden, get out and get fresh air. Spend some time with the kids, get the kids out. Because you know yourself, people are locked up to get, like my kids, you know, anyone's kids, to be leading narky and cranky. And I think it's important to get out. Stay safe, but get out. That'd be my tips. Class advice, mate. Yeah, spot on there, I would say. Well, Jer, I'll let you go, mate. Thanks uh, so much for taking the time to to chat with us, as I said earlier. Um, I'll be following, following you now in the next couple of months, see what, what else you get up to like and Hopefully you get a, a, an opportunity to meet up with you for a, a spin or, or a run, which would be class. Like, Yeah, that'd so, be good, yeah. Look forward re- to that. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks so, so much. No problem. Best of luck, Jerry. Thanks a lot. So, there you go. 
Irish professional triathlete Jerry Redmond. What a story, huh? I uh, really enjoyed ch- uh, chatting with Jerry. He's absolutely brilliant guy. Uh, very inspiring. And uh, he's de- definitely now a little bit of a fire under me now. I'm talking with Jerry thereafter and telling him that, you know, I had goals of doing a sub-10 Ironman. Um, especially when I finished with some of the endurance events I have set for myself. So that's definitely back on the cards after listening to Jer's story. So thanks a million, Jer. Now, I hope you really enjoyed that. And um, if you did, uh, hit me up with some messages and leave me a, a five-star review on um, iTunes and Spotify. It'd be really helpful. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening and stay safe out there. Take care. Thank you.